0: Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke.
1: And I'm Annie Warmke. That
0: indeed you are. And today we're going to talk about conducting home funerals and natural barriers, and we're uh, barriers, burials. Well, that
1: might be Uh the Uh, truth. I'm
0: sure there are barriers (laughs) to burials, but um, with, with Donna Baker, and she is the founder of the Columbus Community Death Care she's an anelda trained death doula a home funeral guide a death educator and wise uh, with everything associated with death no doubt so welcome welcome donna
2: hello good morning
0: all right good morning so so we're really talking about of course we focus a lot on sustainability here and and i guess there's nothing more sustainable than death really so so let's um, <laughs> let's talk about how, oh, my
1: word. We're on a roll this morning. Yeah, well, it,
0: it, it just sort of seems to me, as somebody with with only a passing acquaintance with this, um, that, that with the- death
1: or funerals?
0: Well, both. and okay. And that the funeral industry, like a lot of our systems, has become corporatized, um, anesthetized, you know, all of these mm-hmm. other things, taking it outside of the realm of sustainable and natural- so my guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're you're kind of trying to push back in the other direction. Is is that a fair assessment?
2: Yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. And of course, it's not just me. There's a lot of folks who are doing this um, this sort of community death care work. Um, you know, death doulas and death educators are part of it. But there's also um, a group of a growing group of folks I've I've been working with down in Athens. Um, we call ourselves the Southeast Ohio Natural Burial Working Group. We're still a working group, um, but we're looking for some property down um, around the Chansey area to start a natural burial ground. So you know it's it's there's lots of us and it's it's uh, it's a growing movement, which is very exciting. but yeah, you know, I think what what we're really talking about is um, you know there are plenty of us who are caring for the earth uh, as we're living. We care for the earth every day, and we do things. Um, we practice sustainable living practices, and so why not, um, you know, push that into into our dying and into our death? So finding ways to care for the earth um, as we as we are as we when we die, and really even more than just caring for, but giving back to the earth by um, using our bodies as uh, a source of energy putting our bodies back into the earth in a natural way so that we can become soil again.
1: One of the things that occurs to me is really it's more than sustainability it's, resi- it's resiliency and the idea that we could be in charge of our own death but also the idea of, of, honoring <coughs> that, of honoring that death um, with a home funeral and maybe you could walk us through a little bit about what it takes to have a home funeral, and then what it would look like if we were going to access
2: a, a green burial. Sure. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> you know, when we talk about um, natural burial, it's a little more um, palatable, I think, for folks to just talk about the, the practicalities of, of burial. It's something we're sort of used sort of you know, used to talking about we talk about pre-planning and burial plots and stuff like that. But you're right, to get there, we have to take a step back and we have to talk about the dying, you know, and, and what it takes to get to get ourselves and get each other to a natural burial ground. Um, that oftentimes starts with a home funeral. And a home funeral is um, a practice that involves caring for our, our dying um, at home and if they if our loved ones don't die at home it involves moving them home after they've after they've transitioned which is perfectly legal and so it's a right that we all have um, caring for our dying, um, having a, a service for them at home and if you don't have a home that's conducive to something like that um, borrowing a space, um, you know renting a yoga studio or um, using a, a church, um, you know, a room in a church. Uh, we don't all have a, a house that's large enough to, to do something like have a home viewing. But even if you don't, there are lots of, of alternatives to, to finding good spaces to do that. Um, again, that's the practical stuff. But the, you know, the emotional and, and really, um, I think, spiritual side to that is caring for our loved one's body um, after death. So stuff that we have always done, right? It's, it's not a new practice. It's the idea of um, washing a body, anointing a body with oil, uh, shrouding a body, um, laying that body out in a space uh, where people can come and, and um, say goodbye and honor the person um, that we love that's, that's now gone. And that can really take place over the course of, you know, an hour, or I've worked with families who have home funerals that take eight or nine hours. Um, it's all a matter of using that time in the in the way that best suits the family. Uh, because that time is really, is really um, a healing time. You know, it's, it's not the sort of conventional thing that we're used to where we're sitting around in um, metal folding chairs and drinking, you know, bad coffee out of styrofoam cups. It's, it's, uh, we're dressed in clothes that we normally wouldn't wear and we feel stuffy and we, you know, we can't wait to get out of there. Something very, very different than that. It's uh, being in each other's homes and someone brings a guitar and plays music and someone else um, maybe making a big pot of soup in the kitchen. And the body is laid out for for several hours, and we really take turns being with each other and being with the body. Um, so it's you know I, I say all that because I think it's it's helps to really imagine what it is that we're talking about when we say um, a home funeral because most of us have this very conventional idea of what a funeral looks like in our minds, and it's can be very um, it's very different than that. It can be simplified and minimalist and very and affordable. <laughs> affordable. Yeah, and affordable.
0: Now, w- well, what kind of um, barriers are there to this, Donna? Because, you know, I can just assume when people think about bringing a, bringing a dead body into your home, there's going to be all sorts of health and safety issues that people are going to jump up and down about, even though it is a very natural situation. Mm-hmm. But, but what kind of restrictions does the government or, or our society put in, put in place?
2: Well, the restrictions are all cultural and social. Um, there aren't any legal restrictions. In, in every state, you are legally allowed to remove a body from a hospital or a morgue or a nursing facility or hospice. Um, you are legally allowed to bring that body home and honor that body um, in the space where you, where you feel is most um, Natural and, and and important to you. Now do you the have hard to part. Have,
1: excuse me. Do you have to have the power of attorney at death or uh, any kind of legal document
2: to do that? You just need to be next of kin. You need to have permission from okay. from next of kin. Of course, okay. the hard part is you know being an advocate in that very often you know um, often um, emotionally fueled time. You have to be able to say. We like to take this body home, right? So that's yeah. that's when things get difficult. Um, but you well, do. Hopefully, you, you said you, it
1: before that.
2: Yeah. 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 Exactly. Or you have a you know you have a doula, someone who's an advocate for you to to speak those um, those ideas into into practice.
1: You could also couldn't you also have that into your will or add a codicil to the will that says that's your wish?
2: Yeah, you know I'm not. I'm not really an expert on wills. Um, that's more for our, our law friends, but living wills, um, healthcare, power of attorney, things like that, right? That would be a place where you could have, have those wishes um, documented and, and notarized so that they are legal.
0: Well, there's a long history. I mean, obviously these systems that we think are normal and ever lasting are usually fairly recent in development. But there's a long history about home funerals. Uh, when you were talking about this, it just, I know the term sitting Shiva, you know, I, I don't know exactly everything that's involved with that, but it just sort of seems like these are traditions that have existed for a long time, and we just need yeah. to recapture them.
2: Sure. I mean, that's thats really what this, you know, I, I think that's what this whole movement is about, not just with the, the natural burials, um, but the home funeral and really home death care, you know, historically, um, families served and, and cared for their dead, not just because we had to, but because it was really a primal need. It was a way to um, pay respect to the, uh, for the life of the person that we were letting go of. Um, And this sort of death care really allowed us to bear witness to death as a human experience. You know, really yeah, I, can, shift. I
0: can give an example of that, because I remember when my father died, and it was very sudden, but when we all got together, and you could actually see the body and stand there, then at least for me, it was like, wow, this is, this is real. I mean, this is, this is for true, <laughs> you know, and I think that was important. I never would have imagined that, that I needed that kind of reinforcement.
2: Mm-hmm you know, we kind of got talked out of doing these things, um, for ourselves and for each other. And we got talked into the idea that this was the work for specialists, you know, for people like, um, embalmers and funeral directors. Um, but yeah, this, and when that shift happened, we became, you know, more estranged, um, from, from death. We, we didn't really see death as a natural part of the life cycle anymore. It became, a you know, a medicalized event instead of a social and cultural event.
1: I think the medical model has had a lot to do with that because there were undertakers and people depended on that sometimes for the casket or help with the body or whatever. And I think the medical model has taught us that we should be basically let them handle it all, you know, um, it's, a, it's a messy experience in life, so we'll just handle it for you. Which brings me back to what I was thinking what, when Jay first asked you about the challenges is that it strikes me that perhaps the biggest challenge is the emotional challenge that comes from death and the fact that we don't have a plan. Often, mm-hmm. people don't have words to in this culture, we don't seem to have a conversation that we generally have uh, around important things like like sex and death and maybe even birth, I don't know. Um, and I just wonder, what are some of the barriers emotionally and what could we do if, for example, say I wanted to have a home funeral, but I know my relatives would have a hissy fit. What, what are some things I could do to try to emotionally ease the way there?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just all about the talking, right? It, it's so, it seems so simple to say, and I know it's, it's really challenging for most people, um, but we need to find ways to have these conversations while we're, like we're having right now, you know? We, finding ways when it's, you know, a beautiful, sunny Wednesday spring afternoon and the last thing that people think about is sitting around and, and talking about death. Um, at the dinner table, you know, with with family, or um, in a phone on a phone call, you know, with a friend, um, it doesn't it doesn't seem like the thing you want to spend part of your day doing. But we can just talk about it in a really open and honest way, just like with sex and birth and money and all the hard things. Um, the more that we can talk about it, the less terrifying it becomes, and the more we start to understand it as a natural part of the life cycle. And, you know, I work with people all the time to um, sort of navigate these difficult conversations with their family members. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of, I'm a fan of the awkward conversation. Um, I love really digging in deep and talking about stuff that doesn't always come easily just because I'm a curious person. And I think that the key to having some of these conversations is just, you know, recognizing maybe that there's a, there are good reasons, you know, and the, the two good reasons that, that always come to mind for me are it's really a gift. If you can't think of it just as a curious way to talk and an important um, heart-opening way to talk, you can think of it as a gift because knowing what your people want while they're alive and healthy um, will go such a long way when they're, when they're sick or when they're dying. And also, the, the financial savings is just an incredible incentive. I mean, okay,
0: well, Donna, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second sure. here to remind everybody that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you again it is indeed the end of the world as we know it.
1: And thank God.
0: Thank God. So, and we are talking about death, speaking of the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> and um, Donna, uh, we're joined by, um, by Donna Baker, and we're talking about um, home funerals and natural burials. And we've been talking a bit about um, sort of having the celebration within your home, some of the issues around there, the advantages of that. But I did want to touch on the natural burial so, so, hey, Donna, could you tell us sort of contrast how we view burials today in our industrialized death machine, um, and <laughs> just and just
1: tell it like it is. Jay. I know, I
0: know, and 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 how how does that contrast with the idea or the concepts of natural burial? Okay, so so yeah. that's a wide open thing there.
2: Yeah. Well, our industrialized death machine uh, is set up in a way that really serves and benefits the death machine, right? It's, we have these marketed packages, um, that sell services that benefit the, the, um, the industry and those services are marketed in a way that, that, um, create fear within us. So we have to have our pre-planned, uh, funeral or a pre-planned um, plot. And we have to think about these things in a way, not that ease us into understanding and appreciating death as part of the life cycle, but in a way that, that freaks us out and reminds us that if we don't make these plans now, um, where will our bodies end up? You know, what will happen to us? Um, you know, we, <laughs> every time I, I hear about a GoFundMe, set up for a family that's trying to raise money to cover funeral expenses i just i feel ill um you know these are just these this profit machine is it has reached it reaches all of us and there's really there are really so many more simple and effective ways of handling these things Um, you know the another way in which this profit machine has has sort of convinced us that it's the way to go is you know the survivors of of a death are set up to be an audience. You know we we um, we see the body. The body's quickly removed from us. It's taken off somewhere where the experts handle it, and we're not even invited to see the body again until after some careful cosmetic preparation, right? the body's been dressed and made up and the hair's been done. And then we're invited back to see the body after it's been embalmed. And we say things like, you know, this person looks so
1: good. Yeah. She looks so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's asleep right? with her glasses on. Well, yeah. I
0: can yeah. tell you that, that yeah. <laughs> I, I thought when I saw my dad's body, I thought, man, he looks kind of made of plastic, you know? I mean, yeah, I, I, I like he could had
2: been killed team.
1: in the ocean. He probably yeah. was heavily damaged
0: right. <laughs> but anyway yeah you're right it, i had never thought about it as as kind of performance art and it's a performance that you're not allowed to ask how much is the cost of admission you know i mean they mm-hmm. just it's like tut 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 my son don't you care about your dead relative of course they need a mahogany casket right and, and if you
2: and, well, and if you really
1: thousands
0: yeah.
2: thousands of dollars yeah. and if you really cared wouldn't you spend more wouldn't your father want to be in the the finest, you know, vehicle to, to um, take him off to whatever is next.
0: Sure. And um, a, a gravesite he, up on the hill so he can look out over the ocean, like he's really going to be sitting there looking out, you know, so. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's I really mean, the average cost, it's really for the person, the people who are left behind that isn't the time to be making decisions like that about spending money you don't have, or even if you do have it, um, I think that's the, that's the real emotional challenge in this right. is that uh, we have to find a way to have a conversation. Well, you were, before Donnie,
0: you were going to tell us what these things cost. I mean, you know, what's the ticket to this show?
2: Yeah, well, the average cost of a, of a conventional, you know, death machine funeral right now is about, is about eight to $10,000. And you know, it's, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around that for so many reasons, but mainly because, you know, I birthed my daughters at home. Um, my husband and I paid for our wedding. It was, you know, my dress was off the, off the rack of a um, bridesmaids rack for a hundred bucks. We we're just accustomed to DIYing so many of these milestones that when I hear that number, I'm, I'm just rattled. I, I can't, I can't imagine trying to come up with the amount of money that that is required, um, seemingly required to handle well, let this. Me, let this me tell experience. you, Don.
1: I just went through this with a friend whose mother died somewhat unexpectedly and that woman was a very poor woman and she had been on disability for many years but she had two insurance policies for her death cost and the daughter who's quite, quite shy asked me to go with her, which I did do during the pandemic. And it was horrendous. It was just horrendous. And so, you know, the cheapest thing ended up costing $11,000 for very bare bones. And um, boy, they socked it to her when they knew she had the insurance. They're like, we'll handle the insurance policy and we'll give you the difference and all that kind of stuff. It was a nightmare to me. I, I just sat there at one point when we were at the um, cemetery and they were trying, they, she had to buy a plot and uh, and they had all these expensive uh, stones that go on top and I asked what the one cost, it was beautifully etched and everything and they said $35,000 and I looked at my friend and I said, you know, this isn't the day to decide on headstones because they were pushing. Got it. Uh, this is the day where you figure out where's your mom going to end up that makes you feel best because you're the one going to visit. And she did listen to me. Even then, it cost, I don't know, $3,000 for a little square thing. So uh, it was just unbelievable to me. And I just thought, well, if people really knew how this worked, wouldn't wouldn't a lot of people uh, make a different choice if they had education?
0: Well, in contrast, Donna, you're working on a a – natural burial site, you said, down in Athens County. And um, how would that work? How would that be different? I mean, if I had a loved one who passed away or I did and somebody wants to stick me down there, how, how does that process work?
2: Yeah, and what's it cost? <laughs> yeah, well, I would say um, at the high end, natural burial grounds usually run around maybe $3,000. And that's, that's all-inclusive you know, when I say like the average cost of a, of a conventional funeral is seven to 10, what happens is, you know, you have all these things are added in, you have the, you have the basic cost. And then they tell you at the last minute, it's $600 to transport the body from the funeral home to the gravesite, And then, um, you know, if the family wants to view the body, it's an extra $2,000. And then, like you said, the headstone comes from somewhere else. And that's another, you know, five to thirty thousand dollars. Um, so with a with a natural burial, the costs are are typically upfront. Um, you know, what we're trying to do in Athens is make sure that uh, that everyone has an opportunity to be to be buried, um, so all families can afford a grave site. And and the high end, most of the natural burial sites around the country uh, run around three thousand dollars. And the way some people might be surprised that it's that high, but, you know, really what's involved is um, that, well, let me try to rephrase that. Most of the people who are interested in having that kind of burial, they're also interested in caring for the the land. So a conservation burial ground um, is what we're working on in Athens. And that's really a way to make sure that 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 land is preserved, um, you know, forever. And it's not solely about the burial, but it's also about the land. So people don't mind spending their, you know, two or $3,000 um, knowing that they're preserving this land. Bodies are placed, you know, they're, it's planned out where bodies are, are buried. They're placed strategically so that the soil can be enriched and enhanced in, in certain areas. Um, and there's a land steward that's involved. Um, the land steward needs paid, uh, things like that. But, you know, to get to up to that point, like even getting yourself to the natural burial ground, um, you usually come from a home funeral and the home funeral cost is between, you know, nothing and maybe, um, the cost of hiring a, a home funeral guide. Um, that's a service that I offer for $50 an hour. Most families will, will ask me for that guidance um, at around, you know, three, four, maybe five hours worth of work. So if you even imagine at the high end, having a home funeral uh, with the bells and whistles, it's probably not going to be more than $500. People, people who have home funerals, they, you know, they're doing things in all of these non-traditional ways. So, there aren't the big overpriced bouquets of flowers. People go out in their, on their property and bring in, um, you know, greens or branches or flowers that they pick. Um, people make their own food. Uh, what, what about often, the
1: casket part of it? How does that work with
2: the green burial site? Some people will, do, will use a shroud. Their bodies will be shrouded. So in a simple linen... Or maybe a, you know a quilt that they made themselves or a bed sheet. Um, so that's you know, again zero to whatever minimal amount of dollars. Some people will be buried in um, a cardboard box. So to, to be a true natural burial, uh, it's required that the body has not been embalmed and that you're buried in a, um, a container that will fully biodegrade. so a wooden box, a pine box. A cardboard box, um, you know, and all of those things are are must le- much less expensive. Um, some people build their own casket. Um, and then, and so, then,
1: if I were buried there, would I have the right to put up flowers or plant trees or
0: uh, have a marker bushes? of some sort? Yeah.
2: What? How does what does that look like? Yeah, it's specific to the burial grounds, but most places will allow indigenous um, plants and. Uh, you know bushes and trees. Um, the bury the the grave markers are they have to be flat. So if you decided to ch- to spend money on having something engraved and um, love, you know something that had a name or date or anything like that on it, um, it would just need to be able to be nestled into the ground, um, flat. Nothing sits above the ground, uh, perpendicular. But most people just choose to to plant a you know a tree or um, a bush. Um, there are GPS locations, so everyone knows where their their person is. Oh, that's um, cool. One of- Okay. Well, well, Donna,
0: Donna, I'm going to have to stop you there because (laughs) as with all things, we've come to the end of our time, (laughs) which is right and true saying with what we've been talking about. (laughs) So I want to thank Donna Baker. We've been talking about uh, home funerals, natural burials. Uh, I want to thank our award winning producer, Adam Rich. And I want to thank you. For spending just a little bit of time with us listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is.
1: Yeah, play nice with others by helping your family plan what's going to happen when you die. Is that what she said? She did. All right,
0: till next time. Bye bye. <laughs>